0: Good morning. Well, I want to officially welcome you to our first themed 120-day campaign. um, Synced Claiming Technology at Home uh, begins today and uh, uh, starts with my message this morning and will go for 120 days where we will focus on what it means to be synced with God and His Word and our relationship with Him and synced with our family members and synced with um, technology itself in a God-honoring way uh, that glorifies God and, and protects our hearts. And uh, we're excited about this and been looking forward to it for a long time. And uh, when we say that it is a 120-day plan uh, that's um, or a campaign, that that's what we mean, a 120-day campaign. There's going to be things throughout the whole... 120 days uh, for you to take advantage of, and uh, we are looking forward to that. Uh, First, I want to tell you that you can pick up your very own synced Claiming Technology at Home uh, campaign packet in the Home Center this morning, and you will find in it uh, all different Types of tools and resources that will help apply today's message of being synced with, uh, with God in our relationship with Him and His Word, being synced in our relationships at home, and uh, especially with our families, and uh, being synced with technology in a way that honors God. And so lots of tools and resources. I do want to mention one thing in here, in the, in the packet you'll find, is uh, Seven Steps to Good Digital Parenting. You'll find this uh, in, in the packet. And what we're asking you to do, this is the only thing that we're wanting you to give away. Uh, this is designed to give to your neighbor and to encourage them uh, with uh, seven steps of talking with their kids about technology and things like that. And I, I think the whole world um, recognizes, uh, Christian or not, uh, just how, how things are going within the, in this digital world. And, and people are looking for help. And this can this can be an encouragement to them. And on the back, they will have they'll they'll see that uh, there's a website where they can go for more information. And who knows, they might even be encouraged to to come here and see what's going on. And so we want to encourage you to hand that out to your to your neighbors. And uh, everything else is yours. Be as selfish as you can with this rest of the packet. That's all I'm saying. Um, and and so. <clears throat> Uh, so the packet you can pick up today. You can also, in the Home Center, uh, you can sign up for email tech tips for um, September through November. And uh, we, won't, we won't keep sending you things uh, after that, but uh, each week, if you w- would like, you can sign up and you will receive an email tech tip uh, that you can apply w- with your family. So we want to encourage you uh, to do that. And then... Um, uh, Every week, there will be a new tool or resource in the home center to pick up for the next 120 days. We didn't want to put everything in the packet because it would just get too thick and too heavy. Uh, so we want to uh, just keep this motivation going, keep it, keep it going, and, and so there will be new recipe cards that you will be able to put into practice that week with your family. Um, each week, you can pick that up at the home center. And then uh, the kids will be getting today uh, this synced claiming technology at home calendar uh, for tech-free meals at home. And uh, Charlie and his team came up with this, and we're excited about it. It's a, it's a calendar f- for the 120 days. And the idea here is to have as many meals as you can, the, the goal being 20, of, of uh, device-free meals together, consecutive meals. Uh, it says, and you have here record... Um, your device-free meals. Uh, on the calendar, the kids have these great little yellow stickers. It's a, it's a cell phone with a line through it. Just, a, just put a line through that thing. So uh, they can put it on the calendar and, and uh, just keep tracking. So parents, they're coming for you. Look out. Uh, to encourage you, and uh, it's going to be great. And, and it's just a time where you can um, share the high and low points of their day, funniest or strangest things that happened, um, have each person share one thing that they're looking forward to the week, pray together, and praise the Lord together. And so that's uh, a great opportunity. Then, uh, so this week is, um, I'm up here, and, uh, and then next week, uh, the youth are going on a retreat to Pine Creek, camp, and uh, their whole weekend will be centered around this theme, synced, claiming technology at home, and they're going to have a special speaker uh, for Friday night. His name is Brian Hausman. He uh, wrote a book called Tech Savvy Parenting, so he will be here next weekend for uh, to kick off the youth retreat, and you can still sign up if you have a teenager. I guess they have, uh, right now, there are around 200 people going. It's going to be a great time, great weekend, lots of fun and, and, and good teaching and worship times together, and uh, uh, encourage your student to go. So you can sign them up online. Uh, and then uh, then Saturday morning, next Saturday, we're having a Tech Savvy Parenting seminar here, with Brian Hausman, uh, and he will be here, and uh, doors are going to be open here, and we're going to have a continental breakfast at 8 a.m., so come and get a muffin and stay for the seminar, and uh, it's going to be great on tech-savvy parenting, uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that, and, and then there'll be some other things coming around um, that you'll see in the 120 days to encourage um, your families and encourage you to navigate technology in a, in a God-honoring way. Uh, I do want to mention at the seminar, unfortunately, there will not be children's ministry um, because um, 60 to 70 percent, I guess, of our help will be on a retreat. Can you believe that? Well, that's all right. So uh, just make your plans for that. Well, uh, what comes to your mind when you think of the word synchronize? Um, For me, I was thinking about it and and it comes to mind as maybe a youth trip that I've been on. Uh, Usually it's Cedar Point, uh, an amusement park or somewhere like that where we tell everybody, okay, hey, be back at this time. It's really important. Um, So kind of synchronize your watches, make sure everybody knows what time it is. Be back here at this time. Uh, My brother was telling me a story. He was working with the youth in his church in Michigan and they went to Cedar Point and um, two hours later, there were three kids that still didn't show up. Can you believe that? Two hours. I mean, that's when you start... Killing kids in love. I don't know how to say it. I mean, it, it, two hours. They had to go out and look for them, and um, yeah, it's rough. Synchronize. Uh, you know, another thing I thought of, and I don't know about you, to uh, synchronize swimming. Anybody like to watch that? Okay, no, good. You know, this is the third time. I, I thought, you know, last night FSAT, nobody raised their hand that they liked it. This morning at 9 a.m., nobody liked it, and I just I'm just going to keep going with it. Uh, I'm just going to see if anybody. Okay, don't worry about it. Um, lip-syncing. Okay. Um, who here's seen The Greatest Showman? Okay, some hands, yeah. Uh, that, that song, Never Enough, uh, that that um, woman sings, was an amazing song, and uh, she did an amazing job lip-syncing. I just thought that, that, that was incredible. I, did, I watched it. We didn't know that that wasn't her singing. That's how good of a job she did, but she didn't sing. I, I hope I didn't make anybody sad, but she didn't <laughs> sing that song. Um, so, to synchronize, cause to occur, occur or operate at the same time or rate. Uh, the Urban Dictionary defines sync as to be in the same state of mind or thinking. And it, it is with that understanding that we're going to move forward, being in the same state of mind or thinking the same thing, uh, that we're going to move forward in our, our, my message here in the next 120 days as we think about this. When we observe things in sync, there is power. There's power in technology, there's power in community, power in the church, and power in our family relationships, power in our relationship with God uh, when we are of the same mind. And and we're told in 1 Corinthians that we have the the mind of Christ because we've been saved. And so uh, this idea of being synced, of the same state of mind or thinking. A number of years ago, I took a class uh, back in 2011, the class was entitled uh, Spiritual Formation and Self Counsel. And <clears throat> the, it was such a good class. And, and the idea was that um, asking myself tough questions. Um, you know, I uh, um, saw, saw a little uh, blurb uh, just yesterday that this guy said that, um, <clears throat> you know, many times we need to ask the Lord, what is the sin behind the sin? What is the sin under the sin? And that is what this idea of self-counsel really is. You know, if, if I'm anxious, I know that that's a sin because I'm told not to worry. But what is underneath the anxiety? What, is, what am I thinking? What am I wanting that's not happening? What is, what is it that I'm not getting that, that I find myself being anxious? And so self, the idea of self-counsel is, is asking ourselves those kinds of questions. What is going on in my heart? Psalm 139 23 and 24 talk about this idea that David says, you know, Lord, would you, would you show me what's going on? This is a paraphrase. Show me what's going on in my heart. Lead me in your way. Can you, what are the hurtful things that are happening in my heart that, that I need to know about so that I can repent of them? Bring them to you and, and, and entrust them to you, entrust you with it. Self-counsel is something that we never do apart from the Word of God. It's not that I'm wise enough to figure it out by myself. I need to ask the Lord, and then I need to go to the Word and find out what is it that's going on in my heart. Lord, would you please show me in your Word, direct me and guide me with the Scriptures, because that's what self-counsel does for us. It's allowing God to... You know, he says that in Hebrews 4.12 that his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it cuts down deep into our hearts and he shows us things about ourselves. And he does it in a kind way, in a gentle way, but he still shows us because he wants to make us more like his son. He wants us to continue in fellowship with him. And so he reveals things to us that we need to know about. And it's this idea of self-counsel. Listen how David did self-counsel in Psalm 42.5. He said, why are you... In despair, O my soul. He's talking to himself. And why have you become so disturbed within me? David is saying, my soul is raging. He's having a difficult time. And then he says, and then he begins to preach truth to himself. And he says to himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. So David begins to ask the question, what's going on in my soul? And then he goes to the Lord. And his presence is what he banks everything on. And he says, I will hope. So then he begins to have hope because he realizes God is with me. He begins to praise him, and his, he takes his attention off of what's going on with him, and he puts it on God, and, and, and he praises God for God's presence. This is the idea of self-counsel, and this is what we're talking about. The reason I'm bringing this up is because, um, you know, when we think about technology or we think about anything, uh, the bottom line is it, it really comes down to our relationship with God. What, what is it that I'm wanting? What is it going on in my heart? How am I using the good gifts that God gives me, the external things, because the most important thing is that I would have Christ at the center of my heart. So what's really going on? And, and so I have at the end of each uh, of my points, I have questions that are self-counsel questions. Now, they're going to come hard and they're going to come strong and fast, uh, but I want you to be, be encouraged. The, there are copies in the back in the home center or they're on the app. Isn't technology great? They're they're on they're on the app that you can you can go and you can you can see them and I want to encourage you just don't hear them now, but they're for all of us because what's going on in our hearts and as because our hearts are always responding to what's what we have whether it's trials or blessings or things our hearts are responding and um and, and so what is it what's going on in my heart in relationship to technology. And then, you know, for those of us who have kids, how do I help my kids process this too? Because they have hearts, and their hearts are responding, and they need help. That's why we need to be synced with God in our relationship with Him and His Word. And when I think about that, the first point, um, are we in sync with God and His Word? I, I think about John 15, 1 through 11, where Jesus is talking about abiding in Him, that apart from Him, we can do nothing. In verse 7 of John 15, he talks about this idea of of his word abiding in us. He also talks about prayer in verse 7. And so I I believe the idea of abiding is really fellowship with God, an intimate friendship with him. It is a dependence on him. and, And that can only be done, abiding can only be done as we spend time in his word, getting to know him, as we spend time talking to him, as we spend time praising him. And, and that is what this idea of abiding is. And so then I move to the next uh, thing here, a verse that I thought of. And, and I think that this verse a little bit talks about being in sync is 1 John 2, 6. The one who says he abides in him, like John 15, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So we're to walk as Jesus walked. So then we say, well, how did he walk? And I want to mention just three things that I think we know that how Jesus walked. Uh, the first one, um, if you want to turn to John chapter five, John chapter five, G- throughout the Gospel of John, we see declarations of Jesus saying, "I only, I, I trust my Father. I only do what my Father is doing." Uh, he makes it really clear that he's dependent on his Father. John 5, 19 is one of those times. He says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. He's synced with His Father. Same mindset, same thinking. He is doing what the Father wants Him to do. John chapter 5, verse 30 says, he, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so it's this idea that Jesus depended explicitly on his father. He depended on his father for everything. So how did Jesus walk? He was dependent. How should we walk? We need to be dependent on the father. And Jesus also walked, another way is, is that Jesus loved his Father above all. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, Jesus said this, "'Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?' And he said to them, "'You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself.' On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus is saying the whole thing comes down to loving God, and Jesus loved his Father, and he depended on his Father. That's how he walked. And so we are to walk in the same way. And um, Les Sillers this morning, in his, in, in before we prayed, just mentioned, you know, this campaign is really, um, it's bottom line, it's really not about technology. It's really about our relationship with God. And, and that's what it comes down to our dependence on Him, our love for Him. And then the last way that we see that Jesus walked is that Jesus valued the Word of God. Jesus loved the Scriptures. Now, the thing about Jesus is whenever He spoke, He spoke the Scriptures. That's kind of cool. But uh, He loved the Old Testament. He read from it. He quoted it over and over again. But then He said something in His prayer Um, in the garden before he was about to die, in chapter, in John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus identified God's word as true. It is the truth. And so Jesus valued the word, and, and he said, it is by the word that we will be sanctified. And sanctified basically means this idea that we become more like Christ that we become like Him, that He gives us the ability by His grace and strength, and His Word, his word is central in this, is that we are conformed to the image of Jesus. There's another thing that, my, that we read this morning in Romans 12 that the world is trying to conform us. It's trying to shape and mold us into its image. But those who are born again, who have been given a new heart, a new spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we, have been, we, we now are born again. And Jesus is at work conforming us to his image. And that's what he wants. And and so what does that mean? Well, I I believe, and as I've mentioned, I think many times, is this, is that he is forming Christ's character in us. The fruit of the Spirit is being produced in us. Jesus was loving. He was full of joy. He was patient. He was kind. He was good. He was faithful. He was gentle. And he was full of self-control. That's what he's wanting to produce in us. And as we depend on him, on on our, on our Father, and as we depend um, on the Spirit to, to, to live our life, as we value and treasure the Word of God, as we love God above all else, what's happening is we're being conformed to the image of Jesus, and He's doing it, and, and He's doing that work. Not only are we conformed by, in, in His character, but we are also conformed in His priorities, that people are important, our family members are are important. Our neighbors are important. That's the second part of the commandment that he said, love your neighbor as yourself, is that he, we, we become like him. He says in Matthew 4, 19, um, come and I'll make you fishers of men, or Luke 19, 10, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. We, we start to have that kind of heart as we are dependent on the Father, loving him above all else, and valuing and treasuring his word. He does this work, and he conforms us to, into the image of his Son. And and I believe that the Word is central in this. It is the Word that gives us strength to depend on the Father. It is the Word that gives us the grace that we need to love God above everything else. And it is the Word that that as we are regularly in the Word of God, and and as we read together um, Psalm 119, 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I will not sin against you. It is His Word that produces love for the Father because we see who He is. We see what He's done. The same God that gives us commandments or tells us to do things is the same one. It's out of the same heart of love that died on the cross and rose again on our behalf to save us from our sins. We begin to see it that way. This is a book of love. This is a book of protection. This is a book of wisdom coming from the same heart that died and rose again on our behalf. We see that, and it it's because the Word produces that in us. A guy by the name of Warren Wiersbe, a pastor years ago, he's with the Lord now, but he said something I thought was good. He said, I don't call him the Ten Commandments. He said, I call them the Ten Enablements. Because as we read the Word of God, what we find is He gives us strength to do what He's calling us to do, and um, and so uh, it's the same idea: is are are we ever aligning our hearts with God's Word? Is our state of mind or thinking in time with God and His Word? If you turn to Second Corinthians ten three through five, you're going to see that we're in a war, we're in a battle that these these verses tell us about. And we do not war according to the flesh, we're told, but our, the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the pulling down of strongholds. That these strongholds, what, what are these strongholds? These strongholds are unbiblical thinking patterns that we can adopt and begin to think about God, that God isn't good, that God doesn't have my best interest, that I, I really can't depend on him. We, these, these unbiblical thinking patterns of, of I'm, I'm just a jerk and I'm, I'm, I'm worthless, Nobody, nobody likes me, nobody loves me. Uh, these unbiblical thinking patterns that we can begin to think about God, ourselves, and others, raised up against the knowledge of who He really is. The weapons of our warfare. The, the Spirit fights for us, the Holy Spirit. His Word is a weapon. It's a sword of the Spirit. Prayer can be a weapon. They are divinely powerful for the pulling down of things that we think that are not true. And then in verse 5, he says... Paul says. Um, we want to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We want to be of the same thinking and the same mindset as Jesus, synced with, with Christ in our thinking. And that can only be done as we get to know God in the Word. You know, these three points that I'm talking about are really built on one another that, you know, I really can't be wise with technology um, and I really can't Um, help others in my family be wise with technology. Um, If I'm not synced with God, if I'm not dependent on Him, if I'm not loving Him above all else, I'm not going to be passing that on. If I'm not in the Word and treasuring His Word and His Word is sanctifying me and changing me, um, I'm I'm not going to do well at the other things. And so that's why it's so important. Well, are we keeping technology in its proper place and God in His? 1 Peter 3.15, we're told to set apart Christ or sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. Have Jesus be number one is what he's saying, is what Peter is saying. And, and that, again, is, comes out of our, our abiding relationship of being in the Word with Him and talking with Him and praising Him and fellowshipping with Him. And it, it encourages me to depend on Him and love Him more than anything else. <clears throat> Walt Mueller, who... Um, he has a website, um, CPYU, um, and I knew I was going to forget the, I shouldn't have said it, CPYU, Children or Center for um, Parent and Youth Understanding.org, uh, CPYU.org, okay. Uh, he, he, this is what he says, all that for that. Here we go. Christians should not be anti-technology. Rather, we need to see technology as a good gift of God, which must be used with wisdom and great care. I like that. It's just, it's another gift. It's another gift that we can, our hearts can respond wrongly to it, just like other gifts. Have you ever been given a gift of uh, money and, and responded poorly? Have you been, we, we can, our hearts are going to respond to things and, and, and when they are down, our hearts are down deep into the word of God, he's going to be changing us and helping us to respond in a way that is right. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Pursuit of God and in chapter two of that book called The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing, A.W. Tozer, he he talks about this idea that when man was created, Adam and Eve were created and they were placed in a garden, an amazing place where uh, there were so many gifts out given to them, good gifts for them to enjoy, external things that God granted to them. And there was one place in their heart where God dwelt. And their fellowship with God was unhindered. And, and he describes this, this thing, and he says that when Adam and Eve sinned, God left his central shrine in man's heart, and then all of a sudden, all of the things came rushing in, vying for number one. It's a, an amazing picture. Listen to what Tozer says about it here. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal, universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old Adam uh, better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They are verbal symptoms of our deep disease. The roots of our hearts have grown, grown down deep into things, and we dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die. Things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. Isn't it? A monstrous substitution. And so, with anything, if we, we're focusing on technology and wanting to be wise and navigate that. W- with anything, we, we can substitute God with people, with money, with, um, with ideas. And I, John Calvin said that our, our hearts are like idol factories, and, and that's the thing. We want to walk as Jesus walked. We want to be dependent on the Father. We want to love Him above all else. We want to value and treasure His word. And as we do that, he sanctifies us and he helps us to see that Jesus is the answer. Nothing can replace him. We, we want to say like Paul in Philippians 3.8, I count everything to be a loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Everything compared to knowing Jesus is like rubbish. That's, that's the heart that God wants to produce in us. And, <clears throat> and, and he will do that through his word. But there are challenges. Um, you know, uh, if you might want to write this down, I'm, we're not going to go there because it, gonna, it would take too long, but if you were to read Ezekiel 14, Ezekiel 14 talks about he, um, they're being confronted on idols. And, and in there he says that, that they, God is, is talking to them through pro, the prophet, and he says they uh, have these idols, they've set them up, and the way they say it is that they have put them right in front of their faces. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They have put, I hold up my phone, yeah, it didn't go over well, but they, they, they have put them right in front of their faces, these idols, and God says, I'm coming for them. I'm coming for you because I love you so much. And what's amazing, in, if, if you write down Ezekiel 36, that's the beautiful passage where God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to place my spirit in you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But that is really the foreshadowing of Galatians chapter 5 where we, talk, where we see this battle between the spirit and the flesh and the things that we want and the things that our flesh wants and, and, and are we going to be led by the spirit or are we going to be led by the flesh? It is this idea of what are we going to do with, in this case, technology? Is it going to be so important to us at the, at the detriment of our, of our families? And, and God is saying, you know what, depend on me first. Love me with your whole heart. Treasure and value my word. And and he's going to work. And he's going to help us. And then when we do that, we're going to be able to help other people and give wisdom and guidance in this. Well, we are worshipers. We're created to worship. We're always going to worship. We're either going to worship Christ or we're going to worship things. And the scary thing is, in Psalm 115, verse 8, we're told that we become, here's how we were designed. This is amazing to me. Here's how we were designed. We were designed to become like whatever we worship. Isn't that cool? So if we worship Jesus, we become like Jesus. If we worship idols, read Psalm 115 sometime. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have feet, but they can't walk. They have hands, but they can't touch. And we become dull spiritually. We become, we, 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 where's God? My life is miserable. I, but, but when we worship Jesus, that's life. And um, it's it's a beautiful thing. So we become like what we worship. And the reality is, as parents and grandparents, as uncles and aunts, as older siblings, our kids are worshipers as well. And they will become like what they worship. And we desperately need to be dependent on the Father, loving Him above all else, and treasuring His Word, synced with God so that we can help others see what is true and what is right and what is amazing, the person of Christ. Well, here's our self-counsel questions, okay? Um, Like I mentioned, Ben Ben Adams uh, made me aware of this book, and I appreciate it. Um, It's 12 ways your phone is changing you, okay? And like I said, these questions are going to be available in the Home Center or on the app. So... They're coming strong and they're coming hard. Here we go. As in every age, God calls his children to stop, study what captures their attention in this world, weigh the consequences, and fight for undistracted hearts before him. To that end, here are the here are ten diagnostic questions we can ask ourselves in the digital age. So these are self-counsel questions. Questions we can ask. We can go to the Word of God and say, Lord, what's in my heart on this? Do my technology habits expose an underlying addiction to untimely amusements? Do my technology habits reveal a compulsive desire to be seen and affirmed? Do my technology habits distract me from genuine communion and fellowship with God? Do my technology habits provide an easy escape from sobered thinking about my death, the return of Christ, and eternal realities? Do my technology habits preoccupy me with the pursuit of worldly success? Do my technology habits mute the sporadic leading of God's Spirit in my life? Do my technology habits preoccupy me with dating and romance? Do my technology habits build up Christians and my local church? Do my technology habits center on what is necessary to me and beneficial to others? Do my technology habits disengage me from the needs of, my, of the family God has placed right in front of me? Just some great questions to take on your own and just go before the Lord and talk to Him and say, Lord, what's my heart? What's my heart? Um, the next thing here is synced with our relationship with one another, especially our families. This is about being connected in healthy ways in our family relationships. Um, it, it really is asking the, the question here, what is family for? I believe family is, you know, we talked about it in January. We, um, we are, um, family is, is for discipleship. Family is to help one another grow in our relationship with Christ. I believe family is, um, we, we, are involved in the sanctification process that God is, is doing. We're, we're to be a family that glorifies God. I just want to mention a couple here. What is the main purpose for our family? And I, I think it's to help our kids to grow in the fear and wisdom of the Lord, to help them understand how to navigate life. And in a digital age, what does that look like? How do we, how do we help the external things not rush in and take uh, residence as, as number one in their hearts? And so, <clears throat> look at Proverbs 1, chapter 1, 7 through 9. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Family is for passing on wisdom, and we find that wisdom in the Scriptures. Any other kind of wisdom isn't worth it. It's only the wisdom of the Scriptures uh, that is our connection to reality. Uh, apart from the Scriptures, we're lost. And so, as a family, to be properly synced in our relationships, we need to be taking our kids to the Scriptures and, and seeing what does God say? What are some principles that we can that we can look at and see, what does God say about how I use my phone, how I use my tablet, how I use whatever I have, how I'm using it? And and what that means in my, in my life, it, family is to help give our kids wisdom and direction because we're We're all born foolish, and we desperately need help, all of us. And so the Scriptures are what will help, and we need to pass that on. I have here, um, uh, well, our families shape us in in so many ways. They help us form into people who can acquire wisdom, knowledge of the Lord, and to drive foolishness from the heart. Without shepherding our children through the world of technology, they will and can fall prey to foolishness. As parents, we need to diligently um, be of the same mind and same thinking as God, and and, uh, he's going to help us as we we, uh, work through these. Well, here's some self-counsel questions to consider as we think about syncing our relationships with um, our family members. How are we doing at shepherding our family in the area of technology? How are we doing at bringing God's word to bear on our technology usage? As a family, are we ever aligning our hearts with God's Word? As a family, is our state of mind or thinking in time with God and His Word? Are we moving in the same direction at the same time centered on God's Word? Are we spending time deepening our relationships with one another? What can we do to guard against the encroachment of technology on our family's relationships? Are we holding each other accountable for our use of technology in caring for others? Just some, again, questions that I want to encourage us to take advantage of. These, these questions here for spouses to discuss, for grandparents to discuss their role in, in helping um, in, in this area. The, next, the last part here is synced with technology itself, using it wisely and in a God-honoring way. Um, this is about God's glory and protecting our hearts. First um, 1 Corinthians 10.31, we're told, so then whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. It is this idea of... Um, giving God credit, making God look good by the choices and by my heart responses to things, um, drawing attention to how good and how amazing He is. It, it goes along with Matthew five sixteen, where Jesus said, let your light shine in such a way that when people see how you live, they're going to glorify your Father who's in heaven. Um, and <clears throat> the guarding of or protecting our hearts really is um, getting that from Proverbs 4, 23. Uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellsprings of life. Everything we do comes from our hearts. Luke chapter 6, 43 and 45 say the exact same thing. What's going on inside is going to eventually come on out. In, our, in the way we speak, in the way we decide, in the way we treat people, it's, it's what's going on. And, and, and that's why um, it's so important that we help navigate with our kids in, in, in these things. Here's some suggestive tech-wise commitments that I got from a book called A Tech-Wise Family from Andy Crouch. Here's what he said his family, here's some uh, things that they've committed to. We develop wisdom from God's Word together as a family. So God's Word is central. God designed us for a rhythm of work and rest. So one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year, we turn off our devices and worship, play, and rest together. We wake up before our devices do, and they go to bed before we do. We aim for wise time limits on screen time. Car time is uh, conversation time, and then spouses have one another's passwords, and parents have total access to children's devices. Isn't that great? Go get them. (laughs) Uh, Go get those passwords. All right. I I just want to mention something. Um, You know, parents, it's great if you just want to say wait. If you want to say wait to your kids to get a device, I think it's great. You know, if, if they're 10, just say hey in 25 years you can get a device <laughs> um, if you want to say no no, that's fine that, you know what, um, God has given us that prerogative and as long as we do it in love and in and, and, and a servant's heart, that, that's what our authority needs to be, did you know that, here, who has a phone, a study that I saw 48% of preteens ages 9 through 12, 88% of teenagers 13 through 17 have phones, um, but you know what Part of the solution for right now could just be, "Uh, uh-uh, not right now. I love you, but no, um, and that's that's okay." Um, this picture here. Um, I don't know if uh, does anybody know what's that? What's behind that tractor? What that's called? A sickle bar mower. Okay. And growing up, uh, we had a, a green John Deere tractor. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. I'm in between. I didn't. That's redundant, isn't it? Sorry. Um, and and so we had this sickle bar mower, okay? Um, and uh, that technology, I don't know when it was made, but we had one of those, and we pulled it behind a John Deere tractor. And I wanted to drive it, my dad said, John, wait, it's too dangerous. You're too, you're too little, you're too young. Um, and so, but my older brother could do it. Uh, but the thing about that blade, it was amazing. It would lay down, and, and then it would, the things would go like this, the blades would go, and it would just cut. And sometimes our fields were so, long, you know, that, the, that it would just lay down. The, the grass would just lay down as you cut it. It was, it was, it was really cool. Um, and so my, uh, I kept saying, Dad, when can I do it? And, um, you know, the scary thing in that blade, when it's in the grass, you can't see it. It can be really dangerous. You know, I used to be 6'10", but I was cut <laughs> off at the... Um, but you, you, you just, the thing's amazing. Um, but I kept saying, Dad, can I, can I do it? No, it's too dangerous, John. And I'm so glad. You know, If I would have gotten on the tractor too early, I could have done a lot of harm. And the same thing, right? The same thing with, um, with, with technology. Giving a, a child something that is so powerful can be very dangerous. And, uh, and so we need, to be, we need to be thinking about that. Is it time? It might be time to wait, and that's OK. Um, <clears throat> well, I want to encourage you to um, pick up the packet Claiming technology at home. A lot of great tools and resources. There's going to be uh, things coming, as I mentioned before. Uh, I want to look at our self-counsel questions. 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, again, by Tony Reinke. Um, he says here, if everything we post on Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat, and everything we write in our text messages and emails is produced, we ourselves are producers. So what, I, so what am I producing? And more important, why am I producing it? Before you text, tweet, or publish digital art online, honestly ask yourself, and then here are the self-counsel questions just for your own heart before the Lord. Pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Uh, Don't do self-counsel apart from the Word of God. Ask God in His Word to to teach you and show you, and He will. But it says this, will this ultimately glorify God before I publish this? Will this stir or muffle healthy affections for Christ? Will this merely document that I know something that others don't? Will this mi- misrepresent me or is it authentic? Will this potentially breed jealousy in others? Will this fortify unity or stir up un- unnecessary division? Will this build up or tear down? Will this heap guilt or relieve it? Will this fuel lust for sin or warn against it? Will this overpromise and instill false hopes in others? Just some great things to think about before we press send. You know, um, what how am I glorifying God? What's going on in my heart? That I'm, why, What is my motivation? Because God is really looking at our motives, and he wants to sanctify them. As we depend on him, as we love God above all else, and as we treasure and value his word, he's going to make us more like his son. And then that's going to help us help our children because we're, as we become more like Christ, our, our, our hearts and our families will be centered on the word of God depending on him, and, and we're going to have wisdom as we navigate uh, technology. So we have these um, packets that I want to encourage you to pick up. We're excited about the next 120 days. We're going to keep coming and having things available for you to be synced with God and His Word, synced with your family relationships, and synced with technology in a God-honoring way that protects your heart. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your great and amazing love. I just pray that uh, you would help us to abide in you. We can't do it on our own. We can't muster up the strength in our own power. We can only, um, there's, there's nothing that good that dwells in us apart from you. And so, Father, would you please motivate us, strengthen us, help us to treasure and value your word and love you above all else. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.